0: surfers will go will go surf come in and have to stare at the ocean for hours we'll go pick up a sandwich and go back to the beach we'll pack ourselves a meal so when we're done doing what we love to do we can sit and eat our meal and look at the field that we just played in like i don't know any other activity like that and water photography is just like that for me <laughs>
1: Welcome to Nature Junkie Radio. This is a place for us to explore the wisdom, wonder, and ways of nature connection to help replenish your stoke. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson, and I hope you enjoy the ride. Hello, beautiful humans. If you listen to part one of my interview with Todd Glazer and you're here for more, welcome back. If you happen to click on part two and haven't listened to part one, I salute you for being a rebel, and I also encourage you to give part one a listen for a deeper understanding of Todd's approach to photography and life. In part two, we're gonna dive into the making of the legendary book and film Proximity, learn what insights from Todd's life in the ocean transfer back to life on land, managing the weirdness of social media, and of course, how Todd microdoses nature. For a very quick refresh on Todd's bio, he's one of the best water photographers in the world, a true nature junkie, and a damn fine human. Let's dive into part two. Let's talk about proximity. I rewatched the film last night with my son, and it's a it's such a beautiful film. Set the table for everyone. Proximity is a, a surf film shot by, or, uh, directed by Taylor Steele and follows, I think it's eight surfers and and really cool pairings like John, John and Kelly, Steph Gilmore, Dave Rostovich, Albie Lair, Shane Dorian and Craig Ando and Rob Machado in really cool places. And I love it. I thought it was timeless. I thought the theme was cool. The shots are beautiful. It's a cool story. There's It's not just air reverse surf porn, which nothing wrong with that. Time and a place for it. <laughs> But I, I like seeing some of the other texture of what's going on behind the scenes and some of the intimacy and conversations between the characters and Epic Surfing as well in beautiful locations. What was your role in it? And you made a beautiful book, I know, out of it. But talk, talk about your role in the film and shooting stills and making the book.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you really enjoyed it. I was talking to Taylor on the drive here, funny enough. Taylor... So how how did that project come out? Yeah, okay, I guess this, the short answer to that would be my role in that project, if you had to give it a title, it would be assistant director, creative director, production, and uh, co-motivator with Taylor. <laughs> but um, the way that happened is Taylor and I have made a couple of films together in the past. We made one called This Time Tomorrow, mm. and we made another one. We worked on Castles in the Sky together, and then we did another one. Yeah, we'd done a few and we were both surfing seaside I was like Taylor I, I really want to make a book And we made this film called this time tomorrow which is where we chased a swell that could red swell from Tahiti to Alaska in seven days we traveled 17,000 miles and caught that Nathan Fletcher wave in Chopu and then we chased it to Mexico then up to California and then finished in Alaska kind of paying homage to to the the journey Mike Stewart did in 1996 I remember and, that one yeah So we were surfing seaside and I was like, I was meant to make a book on that project. I never got around to it. And we were surfing and I was like, man, I really want to make a book. He's like, I want to make a film. He's like, I've made 24 films. I was like, well, I actually shot two projects that were meant to be books and we never went to print on them. We're like, let's go get coffee. So we finished surfing and we drive up to Java Depot, which is the coffee shop just up the street from seaside. It's not there anymore. And we're like, what should we do? We should, we got to think of something. And within 30 minutes. We're like, what if we did a trip where we paired the older generation and the younger counterpart of that person, put them on a trip and took them to a place they'd never been before. And what would that be like as a fan to go on a surfing trip with them? And this was all within about 30 minutes. We're like, that'd be pretty cool. So we're like, we think we have something neat here. And Taylor's like, this could be like my 25th book. And I was like, this could be a 25th film. I'm like, this could be my book. And we're like, well, how do we do it? We're like, well, let's just have an idea. And we've always operated it like if we really believe in something, if it keeps us up at night, if it's if if something has to be made, we'll find a way to get it financed, we'll find a way to to get it made. So over that cup of coffee, we came up with the concept. We wrote down a list of surfers. We wrote down a list of locations. And maybe 45 minutes into the cup of coffee, we're like, let's see if this is on some. So we call Kelly and he never answers his phone. He answers his phone. And we're like, hey, we have this idea. What do you think? He's like, I'm in. And we're like, oh, I think we, we might have something here. We call Rob. Rob, we have this idea. Kelly's in. What do you think? I'm in. And we're like, okay. Kelly's in. Rob's in. They both answered their phone. Neither of them ever answer their phones. It's on. And um, yeah, we spent the next month just trying to figure out where to go, when to go, how to get there. And we were dealing with people's travel schedules and we had to deal with production and financing of the project. And then when it came time to it, we made the trip on like essentially the smallest budget you could to make a project like that. And Taylor was instrumental in bringing in these production companies that were able to help finance the production of the film. And I was working for Surfer at the time and I had a travel budget and I wanted to make this book my way. And I'd never done it before. And at the time, everyone's like, don't worry, I know this person in publishing. And I know this person (laughs) at, at this big publishing house. And you know, when it comes time to make it, I'm like, look, I just want to make these images. And like, you know, everyone, there's enough people that know people that are going to make this happen. So we shot the project collectively in less than 30 days of, wow. of actual travel time. And then we started designing. We First, we designed the book and then we edited the film based off the book, which is what Taylor had done uh, in Sipping Jet Streams.
1: I didn't know that. I love the reverse process on that. That's
0: and great. um so Taylor was sitting in on the edit, sending me links. I was giving feedback on, on the links. Taylor was instrumental in bringing in his core film group. I helped a bit with like the water guys because that's something that, that I know really well. But the thing that Taylor's amazing at is bringing people together. And he's always been really good about connecting people and making them feel good. And he's the guy that like we're in the middle of Baja with like Dave Rostovich and Steph Gilmore. And we'd been driving for like six hours. We were trying to find these waves and they weren't really good. You could tell everyone was just kind of getting, you know, a little hangry and just like, they're ready. We'd been in the desert for a while. And he like pulls over and pulls out these speakers and starts making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And there's this like moment where we spend like an hour in the desert eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and just like stopped in the middle of the road. But we like, we needed that. And that's where Taylor is just so incredible outside of his directing, outside of his filmmaking. Yeah. He He's really good at just reading the scene and just understanding Hey, you know what? We've been pushing a little hard. Let's like scale it back. Let's eat some food. We'll get some chips and salsa. And like, at the end of the day, we're just, we're all grown ups trying to like play on toys. Like it's not yeah. that, like what we're doing is not that important. Yeah. And he's so good. Like I've never met anyone else that can read a group like that. Like his camera bag. I love Taylor to death is a mess. It's <laughs> a total shit show. <laughs> like he's actually been bringing me on to DP a lot of his commercials now because I'm a little bit more organized. Than he is, and I'm not even that organized. <laughs> but Taylor's just so good at just having a vision, and he's so good at getting people up early in the morning and and expressing that vision and making it fun, and and knowing when it's time to push and knowing when it's time to ease off. And um, so I think we really complement each other well in that respect. But yeah, my, so I shot all the stills, helped produce all the trips, find the locations, organize the travel, ended up self-publishing the book because. It just got too confusing dealing with publishers, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't have a literary agent. Mm.
1: Can I ask you a photo question about some of the stills? Yeah. So the the book is I was just checking it out again recently, and it's such a nice collection of kind of like as like I was saying, it makes sense now that you did the design the book, and then that informed the editing for the film because it's such a nice textual collection of amazing surf shots, but a lot of the behind the scenes kind of just, just the moments in between, right? <laughs> it's almost like the the surfing is the in-between moments in a way, right? Because there's, there's more of life lived on land and we don't surf that much really, but really intimate moments. You're an amazing portrait photographer, in my opinion. You really capture a lot of intimacy and in the way you work with stills. Did you, so the shots in the water, were you in the water at all those spots as well? Shooting? Yeah. I oh, don't know. Okay. I was wondering if some of them were frame grabs, but they're all your shots, right? Yeah.
0: They're all still okay. images. And we wow. were actually, uh, during the time we, we were talking to Red Camera, which is what we shot all yeah. the motion on about making the book entirely out of red frame grabs. But the photographer and me was like, I don't know if these cameras are quite ready to do that. And that was actually kind of a really big point in the, in the production side of things because they read was was willing to be a pretty active investor in the project to make that happen if if we made the book all on red and certainly considered it but at that time i was like you only get a chance to make one first book and i just i i want to do what's comfortable i want to do what's right yeah. and the film came out amazing they provided us the cameras and and that was really nice of them but yeah the the images um thank you for that it, we tried i guess from like a Photo nerd standpoint, I don't know if you've seen that film Traffic, where there's yeah. four, four different countries and each country has a different film stock and mm. they interweave the stories. The St- Steven
1: Soderbergh film? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. With and Michael s- Douglas. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. It took place here in San Diego.
0: And the, well, yeah, of they filmed some it, of it did. Some anyway. of it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the way that they based out films, each film stock was based on a certain country. And so when it came to the still side of things, I chose one lens that was dedicated to each trip. And that was my kind of hero lens for that trip. So when we went to South America with Rob Craig, I was on a fixed 135 kick. And so that was the lens I used the most mm. in the la- on land and in the water. Mm. The Kelly and John John trip, um, I used a 14 millimeter lens underwater. Mm. And so once I used that lens, I wouldn't bring it on any other trip. With Shannon Albee, it was a fisheye. And because we were going to slabs and what's wild is like we were, those guys were trusting us to go to places that like, we'd never been either. Like yeah. we didn't really know we were getting. So you shot you.
1: in the water and uh, uh, that spot in Scotland. Yeah. That shall remain unnamed. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And
0: we didn't even know that was a wave. We yeah. actually went to, we went to Scotland. We went there with a drawing of reefs that a friend of mine had given me and we were trying to find a different wave and we got lost and looked down and we saw that we didn't even know if it was a wave.
1: Yeah, rewatching the film, I, I, was, I was kind of chuckling a little bit because a lot, you know, Nathan Florence, Mason Hove all surfed it in pretty crazy conditions. And Albie and Shane were kind of chuckling themselves. that <laughs> It was only a little bit overhead and it was death defying.
0: <laughs> well, that was a different wave. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, that was a different wave. Uh, okay. And we were there like probably five. We shot them in 2015. So we were probably like seven years ahead of that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Apparently the way that we were at, people don't really surf that much. Oh, wow. Because there's a wave next to it that's even better. Yeah. That we never surfed. Mm, okay. But for whatever reason, that one had more appeal yeah. to us. Huh. Also, we didn't know how to get to the next wave around yeah. the bay. <laughs> so we had, we, didn't, we had no idea. Like when we first yeah. got to Scotland, we had no idea what we were doing. We actually called Kelly and we're like, it's flat. Like Because these trips, what we would do is we'd have a two-month window. And then we'd be looking at all the weather charts. And then when it was finally time to commit and go, we would go on the trips for like five days. I remember we saw this massive storm and Nazare was going to be huge. So we fly to Scotland. We show up and the first two days are flat. And we're like, these are supposed to be the biggest days of the swell. Like yeah. what's happening? We called Kelly. He was in Portugal. He's like, I don't know. Portugal's like a hundred feet. Like you guys could maybe get here tomorrow. <laughs> and we like, we have a film crew. We have surfers. Like we can't move that fast. He's like, I don't know what to tell you guys. Hmm. But then we ended up, we ended up getting waves. Mm. It's funny to laugh at now, but at the time it was, it was pretty stressful.
1: I bet. Yeah. Production's no joke. Yeah. Well, beautiful book. I highly recommend people check out Proximity, the film. The book is amazing. I'll link to your site oh, cool. in the show notes as well. You have Thank the book you. for sale, I believe I, on your site. I do. Yeah.
0: Well. And that was a scary thing too, because we self-published it. And the only way to kind of like make it work was to, is publishing's very weird. Like, If we printed 500 books, you basically have to like sell 500 books to like kind of break even Mm -hmm. and you do like a thousand books and like, you'd have to sell like 900 books to break even. Then we do 2000 books and you're like, okay, you can sell like a thousand books. You kind of break even, which sounds rad. And they're sort of like, we'll do 2000 books. And like having no clue, I'd never done this before, like wrote the check, which was like terrifying. (laughs) And then a semi truck pulled up to our house, actually to my mom's house, because she has a two car garage and, and only one car. And they dropped off seven pallets of books. And we're there's definitely that like, oh, shit moment of like, what do we do? Like, <laughs> I'm not a publisher. I'm not a distributor. And so every book that gets shipped is either me or my mom shipping it, even now. Wow. Which is kind of funny. But like, by the time the book came out, we were doing this book tour. And then we were making this documentary called Continuance, which was a totally separate project. And so I was on like double world tours. Like, we were touring proximity. And then I was... On the, the world surf tour making documentary on there too and so yeah it was, it was a busy it was a busy couple yeah. of years
1: well if anyone gets a book from todd's site proximity it's hand shipped yeah
0: <laughs> and if it's not me it's my mom and she's definitely writing a hand yeah. a hand note on there
1: goes great on any coffee table <laughs> well, thank you hey everyone just a quick note to let you know about the nature junkie newsletter it's a free short email where I share some wisdom, wonder, and ways of nature connection to help replenish your stoke a couple times per month. To sign up, just head over to naturejunkielife.com or click the link in the show notes underneath the episode. Okay, back into our conversation. So I've I've heard a lot of surfers like Jerry Lopez comes to mind and he, was, he, he narrated proximity too, which I forgot about that. And it was so great. His yoda-like wisdom um and and the words that he had that's a whole side note but anyway i think about jerry you know and, and sean thompson maybe tom carroll and a few others that the experience they get from surfing they take lessons from that back to on land and how they live in their everyday life do you is there anything from water photography that you you take from water back to land and how you live every day
0: yeah that's a really good question we were very grateful for Jerry to participate in the project. But outside of that, it's pretty inspiring that someone like Jerry is still so actively excited about serving. Mm -hmm. I think that's really inspiring and that he's willing to participate with like little projects like what we do. But yeah, I, I think water photography is a game of patience and persistence and it's a game of preparedness, but it's also being open to to variable change and being able to, without sounding cheesy, go, go with the flow a little bit because you can have the best camera and the best lens and the best water housing and all these things, but sometimes it's just not in the cards to make an image that day and that's okay. Yeah. I think just being being able to, I guess I'm just grateful to have something I'm, I'm still so excited to do, whether I'm, whether I'm being paid for or not. I'm grateful for that. I, that's something that I don't think a lot of people have in life. They go through these phases, they'll sign up for a marathon and then they finish the marathon and then they go, well, now what? That, that was their goal. <laughs> I've had goals in photography and, and I've reached them, but the goals keep growing and growing. And um, it's not like a greed for goal, but it's I think the fact that there's something that I'm still so excited to do and it's healthy and it's motivating and it makes you see familiar spaces in an unfamiliar way and and share that story is, um, I'm pretty lucky that I found something like that. I think a lot of people do a lot of soul searching to find that, or they use a lot of like extracurricular things to try to tap into that. And the fact that I just need to jump in the ocean and, Mm. and find that motivation is, is, is pretty special because Mm. I, I guess if you grow up in the mountains, you might be able to find that. Or if you grow up in the desert, you might see that. Like I said, I I haven't had that, those experiences in the desert or or in the mountains yet, but the ocean for me is yeah. uh it it's like a constant evolution of inspiration. Like I don't know what other sport. My wife brought this up to me the other day. I don't know what other sport will someone go play football for three hours, finish their game of football, and sit there and stare at the field for another three hours. <laughs> Surfers will go will go surf, come in and have to stare at the ocean for hours. We'll go pick up a sandwich and go back to the beach. Yeah. We'll pack ourselves. A meal so when we're done doing what we love to do we can sit and eat our meal and look at the field that we just played in like I don't know any other activity like that and water photography is just like that for me like
1: That's I'll go funny. on the
0: water and like sometimes I'll have an extra cup of coffee with like in a thermos waiting so I can come in and while I'm shivering and cold I can like drink a cup of coffee and observe what it was I just spent two hours doing mm. Like, I don't know any other play, people to do that. Yeah. And that, that that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Buddhist monks, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But monasteries but contemplating when, their existence. When she
0: said that to me the other day, I'm like, you're totally right. Mm. She's like, surfers, like, she's like, look at this guy. We were down at the beach. She's like, look at that guy. He just surfed. And now he's he has to look at the ocean or like, we'll go to the market. And I know this drives her crazy. We'll go to the market and then I'll be like, can we drive by the ocean? She's like, the food's going to like de And I'm like, it's not that bad. I'll turn the AC on. (laughs) But yeah, we're pretty fortunate that something like that is available and it's inspiring us. And and it's free. It's right Right. there.
1: Yeah. I've also heard you talk about, uh, talking about what transfers back into life. I've, I've seen you reflect on in other interviews, just the enjoyment of the process itself, right? You like making the coffee, putting your housing together. Getting together with friends, going whatever the motions are, and I think that's such a good way to go about it because the the moments when we score are so fleeting. There's a lot of life outside of that. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: it seems like you have that as well. Try to try to make it fun, but I guess to go back to go back to your question, you asked, "How does that translate into real life or life outside the water?" And it's a similar thing. You sometimes you get a call for a for a commercial project and you. Yeah, you know, your immediate reactions, oh, I know how to do this and you know how to do it safely, but then how can you evolve what the safe approach is and make something extra great out of that? Mm. And how do you take those unknowns? How do you adjust to when yeah. you're on a you're on a set and a light stand falls and it breaks and you're out of light? Do you have an do you have another light with you? Yeah. Hopefully you do. But if you don't, <laughs> then you got to you got to find a workaround. And so I, it's it's taught me to to Stay calm in a stressful situation. Yeah. How to communicate with clients, how to communicate with people in the in the day-to-day world. Like I said, at the end of the day, like we're all human. What we're doing in the ocean's not that important. Even mm. if whatever we're documenting is the most important board short of the year, it's not that important. It's it's mm. it's a pair of fabric. We just wanna lead a good example and go into whatever activity that we're doing. Go into it with a healthy mindset and lead yeah. it with a healthier mindset and and teach others to do that too. Like there's a lot of people that are extremely talented at what they do, but they're not very fun to be around. And yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather try to be a good, uh, a good role model and, and inspire others.
1: All right, Todd, I'd love to know, what do you want people to feel from your images um, or behave from them or actions to take from them? What do you, what do you hope people feel from your work?
0: I guess if, are we, are we talking more like water photography? Is that Any kind of them. Of like the focus? Any of them. Um, I hope my images just kind of reflect like the beauty of the water and the beauty of the ocean. Like I hope my images either inspire someone to go out in nature, go find a new wave, go down to the beach, go take some time for them, go see their backyard in a new way. I love making photos locally around our hometown and showing them to friends and them going, I can't believe that's down the street from my house. I've never seen it look like that. And I'm like, well, you just haven't been looking hard enough. I love that. I guess, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love Fiji. I love Tahiti. I love traveling to exotic places, but it's kind of expected that it's going to look beautiful. And lately I've just been really into trying to make San Diego look as beautiful as I can. Or as dark and ominous as I can in certain <laughs> settings, and that's okay too. Yeah. But yeah, I I love just to share the way that I see the ocean, and I've been told I see it a little bit different ways than some other people at times, and try to use the tools of the camera to to express that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I it's if the viewers of the photos can um uh, can go, wow, I've been there a hundred times and I've never seen it look like that. Then that's a that's a success in in my book.
1: That's really cool. I'm gonna share what I get from your photos real quick.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe not real quick. Around-
1: no, I, I said it before, but I but one thing I get for sure is a sense of intimacy, whether you're shooting empty waves or with surfers, but especially with surfers, like really feel like you're getting that, like as if I'm surfing myself and I'm paddling over, or like. You know, I used to do this, you know, as a kid and I still do it now. And your friend's going by on a wave and you and I I'll, I'll go underwater or I'm duck diving. And I look back underwater, you know, you get those stolen little moments that I think of them as like really indelible moments, whether it's a friend surfing or just, you know, a four square inch little piece of the wave, you know, the way it happened to be lit at that moment or it doesn't always have to be a fleeting thing too. What I get from your images is sometimes it's that stuff that we actually as surfers see over and over again, but it's like, those are the moments that we just love when we're in the water, you know, and we wish we could share with other people. So there's a like indelible nature or indelible moments and in intimacy that I get from your work.
0: Thank you very much. And yeah, I, I thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. I, I think, I mean, not even with the surfers that I, it sounds weird, but, you know, I'm friends with and a photograph. You know, arguably some of some of some of the best surfers of all time, or certainly of our generation, and um, I want to celebrate their achievements in the water, and I want to I want to show that in the world. And I think there's certainly been times when when like there's a surfer and they're on their A game, and the waves are great, and I'm in the water and I'm feeling healthy, and we link up in a tube together, we link up at at a beach, and it, I, I want to celebrate. All of our achievements of being in the right place at the right time with the right person, and show the world what it's like to be inside of a tube with maybe their favorite surfer. Usually, their favorite surfer is my favorite surfer, and and yeah, I I, want to tell that story, but then I also want to show the human element too. And my friends always make fun of me, though. I'm like, I'm always shooting photos like when we're drinking a cup of coffee because I think that's just like so interesting to me, (laughs) like the way people drink a cup of coffee. And and so I think there's a dichotomy there. It's kind of like there's people who photograph concerts and they photographed all the greatest concerts and they're in the front row for the first three songs and then i don't know what they do the rest of the event but then you look and there's always one guy either in all black or behind stage and he's there the whole show and like i always wanted to be that guy Mm. and i wanted to show yeah show the concert but i want to show what it was like behind the scenes show the guitar tech show the um you know all the wires all bundled up Mm. and not be limited to those first three songs and I hope my images kind of depict that mm. a little bit and share that. And with that comes a lot of trust from the subjects and a lot of um, kind of out of sight, out of mind. But you have to be present, but inconspicuous. And you have to be active, but not too engaged. And, you know, in the water, you're you're kind of doing the same thing. Like, you want to get as close as you can to capture that moment, but you don't want to interfere. And and I think that's a big reason why, like, I've never been very fascinated with shooting contests. because. I don't love being around those emotions of extreme highs and extreme lows. (laughs) Like, you know, some of my friends I shoot with are, they win contests and they win world titles and they're they're great at what they do. And it's fun when they win and it sucks when they lose, but I'm, I'd much rather be down at the beach where there's no winning and losing and you're just in nature. And it, and it seems to be a little bit more fun that way. And also like when it comes to photography, there's a lot of photographers that don't have access. Like I feel very fortunate I have the access I do and, I don't need to show up to a contest to photograph a specific person, like in a very fortunate situation that can call or text almost anyone I'm relatively interested in making pictures with and, and present them an idea. Like in proximity, there was a, there's an underwater photo of Kelly that ended up being the cover of Surfer Magazine. And I'd been shooting a, an automotive campaign the year before, and I rented this super wide rectilinear lens. And I remember calling Kelly right after. And I was like, I have this lens. I don't think it's ever been used underwater but i just shot the i was shooting porsches i was like i just shot these porsches i'm like it'd be crazy underwater because we could shoot a tube and it wouldn't get all distorted he's like i have just a spot to do that and so as soon as he knew the spot he started sending me photos of this place i was like okay he's invested i'm invested we're gonna make this together and then actually he ended up getting a wave and was paddling back out and john john was on a wave and he ducked over in front of me which is just exactly what you were talking about. Because further up the point, he was like, I was up on the point and I ducked over and I watched John go by me. It was so cool. And so as he was piling back out, John was already in the tube. And so he ducked over in front of me, which usually is kind of like a no-no because that means you're blocking the photo. But he came up and he was like, that was a shot. And I was like, oh man, did we just miss like that shot? But that ended up being the cover of the book and like the headline image of the project because it showed the dichotomy of the two surfers, the dual generations. And at the time, like John hadn't won a world title. Kelly had won eleven. So there was more depth to that image than just a surfer riding a wave and a surfer duck diving. And um I owe all the credit to Kelly. And he's he like Rob and John is is they're great photographers and they they understand and they trust the process.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see how shooting whatever at a, a world tour contest doesn't it it doesn't fit your collaborative co-creative director kind of style and intimacy with the the surfers or the waves kind of like the difference between going to like a, a mega show and then seeing someone at the belly up or a small yeah. intimate venue you know it just has a totally different feel to it so
0: and there's people that are great at it yeah there are great contest photographers mm-hmm. and like i've made some images at contests that were okay I'm not going to say I'm terrible at it, but like, it's yeah. not my passion. Yeah. It's it's not what I aspire to do. It doesn't make me want to wake up at four in the morning, but it's fun when everything goes right. Yeah. And you're in the corner, <laughs> but like, it's not my preferred choice of of documentation. Yeah.
1: So, you know, segueing off the career thing a little bit. So you also, your careers span... I don't want to say the death of print, but certainly the shutting down of a lot of print, particularly in surf media. You were staff at Surfer Magazine. And a lot of of the listeners wouldn't know anything about this, but that's a huge transition. So, so much now is on social media. And we've talked about this in the parking lot before with your wife as well. And I'm going to read a quote about AI from you that really, really resonated with me. But I wanna talk a little bit about what, like, what's your take on social media these days. But to lead in with that, he said, sure, there's an AI that can recreate these kinds of moments, but it's a lot less fun to sit on the computer and push buttons than it is to swim in the ocean and watch nature do its thing. That was the caption from, I think it was a photo of a rainbow in the rain shot from the water. Yeah, what's, simple question, but not that simple. Like, what's your take on social media these days?
0: It's a good and a bad thing. It's a great tool to connect with people. It's a great tool to share your work in some ways. I think it's really homogenized the way that we see media, the way that we see imagery, because so much of what made a magazine, and I'm not trying to be nostalgic here, but so much about what made a magazine so special, what made a surf film so special, was the scale in which you viewed it. And the first reaction to a magazine you would get is the cover, which means if photo made a cover, it was important enough to be the first thing that that the viewers saw. When a surf film came out, the films, all the films I've worked on, all the films prior, we always released them. Actually, we, we would do them at La Paloma first, but we would release them in the theater. That way you could see it on a big screen, you could feel the energy. Social media, you're viewing the highest quality of, of imagery and content and sound design and editing and creativity on a phone that's like two inches big or, three in, or a three inch screen, and that's getting mixed in with content that's being filmed on a phone. And it's supposed to hold the same weight and the same reaction. So I think social media is a great way to show your work and to express it and to for some build a following, but I don't think it's a be-all end all. I use it as a tool. I don't love it. I try not to spend a lot of time on it. I was talking to a friend about it a couple of winters ago in Hawaii and he was talking about how there were a bunch of there was a group of guys that were big wave surfers that would take off and go straight and as soon as they get to the bottom of the wave they were inflating their vest before they even before they even jumped off because they weren't properly trained and they hadn't they didn't really have the skill to ride the waves that, that they did. And the people would have these huge social media followings because they rode big waves and he's like, I don't care how many followers you have. He's like when you're at the bottom of a 50 foot wave, he's like, it's really lonely. <laughs> and he's like, the people that come back and do it again and again do it because they love it, not because they're getting followers and likes. And that's always kind of stuck with me. And I think that social media, it's frustrating at times. I make images with this 100 megapixel camera and people view them on a two inch screen. (laughs) And you can't even begin to see the scale of detail until you're printing them at 20 by 30. And it
1: evaporates in the torrent of images.
0: Totally. And I'm totally guilty of it. Yeah, I don't know. Most of my posts are done in the morning. I, I, I don't have a social media plan. I don't, I'm not very consistent with it, but at the same time, it's, it's hard to look at someone's deepest passionate work and then have it be followed by a meme
1: of, like some, of an umpire
0: getting kicked in the nuts. And so you kind of have to look at that whole format in that light, yeah. and it's hard to do. So I I don't know I try not to think too much about it but I also understand that I do have a following and it is a way to I love being able to connect with people actually I had lunch with a with a girl today who um her dad reached out to me and said her his his 15 year old daughter who's into surf photography and likes my surf photography and follows it on Instagram they actually wrote me a very nice long letter saying they were coming into town and, and would like to meet and we had a really nice lunch and and I got to hear about what her Thoughts are on surf photography and and it was super cool and to me that that interaction meant a lot more than a bunch of random likes and and yeah. um and yeah I mean I don't know how I don't know how people do the whole dating thing like
1: it's just like <laughs> it's mind boggling it's mind boggling yeah.
0: like uh yeah I would that would not be for me <laughs> with the swipes and the things and the, yeah I'm like so uh, <sighs> yeah I I guess I'm like a either an extreme. Introvert or just like a people person and old, I call it old school, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what the millennial, Gen Z, or whatever, but like, yeah, at the same time, it is a great way to share a message to reach a broader audience, but it is one of several ways to communicate. Yeah. Um, I love an old fashioned slideshow, I'd rather speak to a room of 50 people and have everyone actually be paying attention, yeah, than like, I don't know, to me, Instagram seems so self indulgent at times, yeah. And I've never been on TikTok, and I've never done Twitter, and I, I don't know. But at the same time, like when the mood hits you, it's really fun to be able to share a story, and have people respond. So yeah, yeah AI, oh, it's terrifying. I don't know. Yeah, I still think it's a ways away. <laughs> yeah, at least in our space. Yeah, I appreciate those
1: the thoughtful answer and, and the complexity of it. There's there's nuance there because I myself, I I actually spent took two years off of it, and I'm re-entering. And I really tried to crystallize, kind of wrote myself an article (laughs) after the two years when I, because I was getting, I wanted to start an account for the podcast, which even though I've had it for six months, I think I've done like 12 or 15 (laughs) posts. It's, I'm, I'm going for quality over quantity and, and quite frankly, trying to do it wrong in a way because I don't, I, I don't like a lot of the just, quantity for quantity's sake. And I don't even like the word content. And I don't need to say that as like some snob, just like it kind of just commoditizes everything, you know, and I appreciate your approach because as I'm trying to find my sweet spot between, you know, play a little bit with it and connect with people. Cause I've met so many great people through it over the years. It's hard to find the sweet spot. I do appreciate your storytelling on it. They're not like super long stories or sometimes they are, but like, it actually does bring me back to some magazine captions and you're telling a little bit of the story you know behind or adjacent to the photo kind of like you mm-hmm. know you've described your approach to photography here so i appreciate it but i'm trying to find the sweet spot and it's difficult man
0: thank you yeah it's a challenge and there's there's ways there's certainly ways that will create a bigger reaction like you go to the beach every afternoon and take a sunset photo on your phone and you'd have the same response as swimming in 20 foot surf and that's <laughs> yeah. a bit that's a bit disheartening <laughs> that is disheartening yeah you can take a photo of like your legs in front of a pool and say "hot dogs your legs" and people <laughs> it'll go viral. <laughs> Versus like, yeah, I don't know. I I think ultimately you have to enjoy the process and enjoy what you're doing, and I think people see through the yeah see through the other side of it.
1: Yeah, I do. I I like the magazine caption approach in a way. I I can still remember certain captions from old surfer magazines. Like there's one that comes to mind. I think it was a Indonesia trip with Thornton philander and the caption said it was in reference to these crazy landforms, like the little islands off the coast. It said something like surrealistic landforms rise up like secret passages to the reefs beyond, or something, or secret gateways to the reefs beyond. I knew I butcher it, but yeah, they stick with you, you know, in ways that the, the stickiness just isn't there with Instagram, like you said. It's just such a Barrage of so many different things. But anyway, not to go too far down that rabbit hole, I appreciate your
0: approach. Thank you very much.
1: Todd, a couple last questions that I love to ask everyone. How do you define nature? Everyone has different answers for this. How do I define nature? What is it to you?
0: Nature is just short for natural. To me, when I think of nature, I just think of outside. I just think of outside. I think of trees. I think of blue sky, not even necessarily blue sky. I think of things from the earth. Non-human made things. Like a building isn't nature. A building is in nature. It can be a part of nature. But I think nature is like, is natural. Whatever was there before us. And is hopefully there after us. Which is a whole other conversation. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It gets deep in uh, the cosmic pretty quick.
0: Yeah, you can go real deep on that (laughs) really fast.
1: I love to hear how people answer though. Because it is pretty mind boggling. Last one. Well, maybe a couple more. I love to lead people some, with some practical advice. How do you microdose nature? In other words, you know, you get a lot of macrodoses of nature being in the ocean and such cool places for long periods of time. But what what are your go-to for like on the day-to-day when you just need a sort of quick hit to connect with nature?
0: To get a quick hit in nature, I, I, I'm, you know, we're fortunate we live near the beach. I, I go jump in the ocean. It's um, probably my favorite thing to do. I think everything I do in life is based around trying to stay healthy to be able to go in the ocean. And then I, I find different ways to get motivated to go in the water. Sometimes the waves are really good and that's, that's a no-brainer. Sometimes the waves are really good and it's super crowded. So I'll go body surf and um, that way I don't have to worry about trying to catch like the best wave of the day. I'm just being in the water. And then, I don't know, I'm always trying to find different ways to approach the ocean to make it fun. So lately, the thing I've been doing is I'll go for a run on the beach and then I'll go body surf. And then this winter, I got re- I was really into body surfing and then I was body surfing all the big days because it was so crowded. I would just go find like a big clothes out down the beach and, and try to pull into them. And then I got kind of tired of that. So then I left my fins in the car and would go body surf with no fins, even though the waves were really big. And all of a sudden it kind of turns this weird workout thing <laughs> and you're getting you get way more work without fins. But it kept it entertaining and it kept it fresh. And then it also kind of translates so when you do leave and go chase as well, because a part of what I do do when I am you know, swimming at places like Pipeline or in, in Fiji and those places, is you have to have a kind of a base level of fitness. And I want to try to be the healthiest I can be. So when those trips come up, I'm not doing this like panic training thing. You kind of are always somewhat ready yeah. for, for those moments. But yeah, I try to get in the water every day. That's probably my biggest one. If not in the water, doing some of the local hikes around San Diego have, have been really fun. But now it's so hot, it's it's yeah. all water.
1: Yeah. Well, people I can vouch for Todd doing the the, the ocean dips because I see him a lot in the evenings. <laughs> Going down for a quick dip. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, thank you so much for being here today, uh, being patient on the scheduling and making it happen, sharing your time, energy, stories. I absolutely love your images. It's super inspirational to me. Like I said, I, I've I've had a little bit of a creative lull shooting. It's starting to come back, especially looking at your images. So I look forward to seeing you in the water.
0: Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you in the water too. And thank you for having me and um, yeah, hosting me at your home. And hopefully we should go for a swim soon. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Jeff.
1: What a solid human, that Todd Glazer. He was so gracious with his time and openness and I'm deeply grateful. Beyond making powerful images, Todd clearly puts a lot of heart and thought into his craft, which I found both hopeful and inspiring to keep pushing my own photography. Before we go, here are a few more pieces of Nature Junkie wisdom I distilled from what Todd shared with us. One. Nature junkies have a strong sense of when they need solo time with nature and when they need connection with others. Clearly from his work, Todd is a world-class collaborator. But he also knows when he needs that early morning dip in the surf by himself. Both options replenish stoke in different ways and nature junkies know which type they need at any given moment. Two, be clear about your vision but flexible about how you make it happen. What i've noticed about hardcore nature junkies is that they have clear ideas about the things they want to do and the places they want to experience in life at the same time they are incredibly flexible and resilient in how they go about making it happen when you're chasing waves around the world like todd has for many years things are bound to go sideways and they often do you have a choice at that point you can whinge or get busy creating plan b nature junkies choose the latter three Nature junkies make time for contemplation. It's our way of making meaning out of personal connections with nature and also contributing to culture. For Todd, that might mean sitting on the beach and staring at waves for a bit after a session, or writing a post or a story about something beautiful that he saw for a split second in the ocean that morning. It's different for all of us, so figure out what works for you. Thanks everyone for listening. I encourage you to check out Todd's photography at tglazer.format.com and consider buying his book Proximity to upgrade your coffee table and get it lovingly shipped by his mom. Until next time, enjoy the ride. As always, thanks for tuning in to Nature Junkie Radio. I invite you to head over to our website at naturejunkielife.com for show notes, to learn more about Nature Connection, and to sign up for our newsletter. And one last thing, please share how you microdose nature so I can share it with everyone in a future episode of the podcast. It's simple, just get out your phone, record a voice memo for about 30 seconds to a minute, tell me your first name, where you're from, Describe how you microdose nature, and importantly, how does it make you feel? Just email that voice memo to hello at naturejunkielife.com. That's hello at naturejunkielife.com, and that's all it takes. Thanks so much in advance, and as always, thanks for listening to Nature Junkie Radio. Microdose Nature and Replenish Your Stoke.